Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. It is great to be back at uh, Whitechapel. Uh, I was obviously gone last week, and Pastor Morgan did an amazing job um, thank Pastor Morgan so much for being uh, willing to step in and share with us uh, from his heart something that the Lord laid on his heart. It is a privilege, a great, great privilege of mine to be able to share uh, my work as your pastor with such an amazing staff and so many amazing gifted and anointed leaders that God has sent us. It uh, is a blessing to be a part of Whitechapel Church and I want to ask you to ask others to be a part of this blessing. Pastor Brooke mentioned a little bit earlier that there are some invitations. Hopefully you got one of these when you came in. If you didn't, there's some at the Welcome Center. There's some on the tables that are out in the lobby. Um, there's an invitation to our Christmas Eve service and our Christmas morning service. I'm excited that Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Uh, where the day that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we get to come together as the body of Christ and to actually be together on that Christmas morning. And so I'm very, very excited about that. So I was a, a, a gone last week. I made a very, very quick trip to Missouri and back. Um, and on that trip, I realized just how old I am. The reason I went back to Missouri is uh, I performed a wedding for one of my cousins uh, it's my cousin's daughter, so I guess that makes her my cousin as well. But uh, I performed their wedding 25 years ago this month. And uh, as I was getting ready to do that wedding, it hit me. When you start doing weddings of kids that you have married, then that's when you know that you're old. And so I mentioned that to a couple of teachers after I got back. And they said, oh, yeah, well, wait till you start having grandkids from kids that you actually uh, got <laughs> And some of them have teaching grandkids of kids that they actually taught in school a few decades ago. But on that trip back home to Missouri, I had a great time. It was freezing. I could not wait to get back to where the temperatures were above 45 degrees and to be a part of Whitechapel Church with you on Sunday morning. But in that, I got to spend some time with my mom and my sister, and we had lots of great conversation. It was a good, relaxing time. But in that, because it's Christmas, we talked about Christmas we talked about the Christmas season, and we talked about what it was like when we were growing up, and then what it was like on Christmas morning, and actually being able to uh, wake up first, and then look at the Christmas tree, and everything that uh, Santa had brought to us. And so with that, it reminded me, whenever I was growing up, I wanted nothing more than Hot Wheels. And in the bedroom, in my mom's spare bedroom where I stayed when I was in Missouri, in the closet, there is a bag of my Hot Wheels uh, that she has kept over the years. And I almost brought that bag of Hot Wheels back because uh, those were my prized possessions when I was growing up. And uh, we grew up in a very, very small town in the Boot Hill, and we didn't have like any retail stores or anything like that. We would 
go to town. And when we would go to town, oftentimes I would ask for a Hot Wheel. And back then, Hot Wheels, I'll never forget the price because I eventually, when I gained some knowledge, I put this comparison together. Hot Wheels cost 78 cents when we would go to town. And so that's all I wanted was a Hot Wheel. My sister, on the other hand, wanted something that cost more than my little Hot Wheels. She wanted a Barbie doll. And as long as I got a Hot Wheel for years, I was good with that. I would buy a Hot Wheel, she would get a Barbie doll. And then one day, when we were checking out, I saw the price of what her Barbie dolls cost. And it hit me that I should be receiving eight Hot Wheels for every Barbie doll that she actually receives. And so I started asking for eight Hot Wheels. Do you think I got eight Hot Wheels? Absolutely not. We could get one thing, and it did not matter that my Hot Wheels cost, or her Barbie doll cost eight times of what my one little Hot Wheel was. You got one thing. So then I got smart. I got to doing the math in all of this, and I realized that her Barbie dolls, I, I did a little math, and I realized that her Barbie dolls, if we had gone to town for, I forget however long it was, for maybe two months or whatever, her Barbie dolls was the price of this Hot Wheel Village. And so I started setting my goals on this, Hot Wheel on this Hot Wheel Village. That's what I wanted. You can see in the top up there, there's a city, and you see that tower? That was a three-story tower. And whenever you opened up this Hot Wheel Village, that, that three-story tower just popped right up all by itself. Over on the left side, you see that building? It popped up. It's a one-story bank building, and it popped up. And you could put a Hot Wheel behind that and push a button, and it would come all the way down that ramp on the right, come around to the left, and it would get to the end and come out the right side. On the bottom, there was a garage just like Cooter's uh, when, in um, Dukes of Hazard, and I thought that was awesome. On the left, there was a parking garage. On the right, there was a car wash. And so I started begging for this Hot Wheel village. Now, let me tell you. I never got that Hot Wheel Village. Isn't that heartbreaking? <laughs> All I got were the Hot Wheels. That's it. But my priority in life was to get that Hot Wheel town or that Hot Wheel city. I would visit with some friends and they would have them, but I just kept getting the hot little Hot Wheels because when we would go to town, we would get one thing. But my priority... My priority and the one thing I was striving for in life was that little Hot Wheel Village. I eventually lost that priority because that Hot Wheel Village was no longer important to me in my life. And over the years of my life, as I look back, I realized that there have been some priorities that I used to have in my life that are no longer priorities anymore in my life. Have you ever experienced that? If you looking today in December of 2022, looking back over the years of, of your life, did you used to have some priorities that are no longer your priorities? Did you used to have some desires inside of your heart that are no longer desires that are inside of your heart? Did you used to want some things that you no longer want anymore? As we continue looking at the book of Acts in chapter 4, as we look at the very, very end of Acts chapter 4, there are some priority shifts in the early church that are taking place that is important for us in our relationship with Christ. 
So if you remember, as we've been working through the book of Acts and taking a look at the launch of the early church and seeing what was important to them, here we get to this place to where Peter and John have been told, do not preach the gospel anymore. They were arrested. They were kept in jail over, overnight because of that. Uh, the religious leaders... The town criers were yelling at these people, uh, J uh, Peter and John, and they said, don't go preach the gospel anymore. And so they eventually released them from jail and said, if we will let you go if you don't preach about this man Jesus any longer. They go back to the believers, they prayed, and their prayer request said, Lord, please let us preach boldly the message of Jesus Christ. And we get to the end of Acts chapter 4, and let's look at verse 32, and let's see about this priority shift that has taken place in these believers. Now remember, the number of believers are several thousand at this point. Every time there was some amazing miracle, thousands of people would come to Jesus. Whenever the man got up and walked and he was lame for over 40 years, 2,000 people came to Jesus. Peter preached this amazing sermon. 3,000 people at least gave their life to Jesus Christ. God is working through miracles, and people are walking away from the old priorities of their life, and they're gathering together in unity as brothers and sisters united in the bond of God's grace. And in Acts 4.32, this is what Luke records. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I love this passage of Scripture, and it's one that sometimes has been misinterpreted with an immature faith. Some people with an immature faith would read this passage of Scripture and they would say, we have to sell everything we own and we have to move in together and we have to spend all of our time together. That's not what was taking place here. And that's not what the Scriptures are encouraging us in our walk with Jesus Christ. What we see taking place here is a shift in priorities. Just like when I was seven, eight, nine, or however old, my top priority in life was to get that Hot Wheel City. And at some point, and I don't remember when, that was no longer a priority of mine. There was a shift in my priorities. That same shift, but on a spiritual, Holy Spirit-driven level, is the same shift that is taking place here at the end of Acts chapter 4. Now, what has happened as these people have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and in this encounter with Jesus Christ, they've realized that they are lost and undone, and they must surrender to Him, and they have to receive His grace in order to be in right relationship with Him. And so as this grace of God begins to move across the people, what we see recorded by Luke here at the end of Acts chapter 4 is a transformation of their priorities. Because whenever you surrender to Jesus, your priorities begin to change. 
And what Luke records for us here in verse 33 is an amazing description of what is taking place. Take a look at verse 33 with me again, if you will. In verse 33, Luke writes, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so if you remember, they were arrested, placed in jail, and then they were released and said, Don't ever preach again in Jesus. Uh, in Jesus' name. They get out of jail. They pray for that boldness. They keep on testifying to what Jesus has done. Because despite the opposition, whenever you truly meet Jesus, you have to tell people about it. And so they keep testifying about this, verse 33 says. But the verse doesn't stop there. There's an amazing phrase that I believe describes what God is doing in our midst here at White Chapel at the end of verse 33. Look at the end of verse 33. After it says, they kept testifying about this. The last phrase, and much grace was upon them all. Much grace was upon them all. Do you see God's grace that's changed their priorities? So we talk a lot about this being a refuge of grace. This wasn't a weak grace that was on display here. And a refuge is not a state of weakness to where we come and we run and we hide and we've got this fortress that is all around us. The beginning of verse 33 says, they kept preaching boldly, boldly about Jesus Christ, testifying about Jesus Christ. They risk being arrested for this faith. Peter and John just got out of jail. 2,000 people get saved. And Luke records, and great grace, this grace, much grace, was upon them all. You see, that grace at work in these people shifted their priorities so they were no longer focused on self any longer. They were focused on what God had done for them. And because they were recipients of God's grace, it changed their priorities all the way down to the place to where their earthly possessions and their finances no longer mattered to them because those things were even surrendered to God. Much Grace was upon them all. I believe Luke has recorded for us the first refuge of grace. And so as they received God's grace, they preached about God's grace. And what we will see as the persecution comes, the church spreads abundantly and people's lives were radically changed. And as a result of that, their priorities were changed. Before we get to verse 33, and Luke tells us about this first refuge of grace in the early church, in verse 32, we see why that can happen. So we see the outcome in verse 33. They're preaching, they're testifying about Jesus Christ to what God has done for them. And much grace, the refuge of grace, was actually established. But before we get there, in verse 32, Luke says that all the believers were in one heart and mind. That's not an insignificant passage of Scripture. That Scripture is the pathway, the highway, 
that gets them to a refuge of grace. Had they not been united in one heart and in one soul, there's no way their priorities would change so that their earthly possessions and their finances have been surrendered to God and they really don't matter to them anymore. They matter, absolutely, because they are necessary. But they were surrendered to God and said, hey, God, you have given me your grace. And so because you gave me everything you had, I'm going to surrender to you everything that I have, all my earthly possessions, all of my finances. And so use them however you want for your glory and for your honor. The reason that they were able to do that is because they were all the believers. Verse 32, they were united in one heart and one soul. They were together inside of all of this. And so what Luke is indicating in his study of this early church that he's blessed us with is they were not only united in an organization together, but they were united well past the organization because it was united in friendships and united in purpose. And here Luke says they were connected together. Do you know why this place is a refuge of grace? Because we are connected together. We're not little isolated islands out operating on our own, finding our own friendships and finding our own purpose. But God has united us together. He's redeemed us. He has set us on mission. And we are living out that refuge of grace together so that in this refuge of grace, our priorities are radically changed and surrendered completely to Jesus Christ. The miracle here was not that they all belonged to the same organization. The miracle here was that they had true spiritual unity. And Whitechapel, that's what God desires for us. A true unity that we, being united together in one heart and in one soul, are able to live out this refuge of grace, surrendering everything to Him so that the work of God radically changes the lives for all of eternity of everyone that we encounter in this area. This is the mission that God has called us to. That we being united together, living and operating in this refuge of grace, say, God, you gave me everything, so change my priorities so that as I give you everything, I simply need more and more of you. How was this life change possible? How was it possible for these people who were some of the people that actually crucified Jesus, who cried out, crucify him, were now surrendering to him, giving their lives and all of their possessions over to him, saying, God, it's not mine, but it's yours. You bought me. You gave me everything you had in life and in death and then in resurrection and have gone to prepare a place. And so now I give you absolutely everything. How was it possible? It was because their priorities changed. They were no longer chasing Hot Wheel cities that had no purpose, but instead they were chasing the one who actually gave them purpose, which was Jesus Christ. And all around us today, we see a culture, we see a people who are pursuing and chasing priorities that have no eternal purpose. And that's why a refuge of grace in South Daytona, Florida is so vital. Because we have Jesus Christ. We have the only one who can change lives for all of eternity. And right here 
on earth. So what is the priority that we have to have in our life? If it's no longer Hot Wheel Cities that we have to have in our life, what is the top priority that we have to have in our life? It's actually one that goes all the way back to Moses in the book of Exodus. It's one that Jesus made reference to a number of times when he was here on earth. It's one that Jesus talked about, and he pointed his people to over and over again. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 and 3, this is what we would say is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Moses meeting with God, spending time in the presence of God. The first thing, the first thing God said to Moses is this, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. That is bondage. That is bondage and slavery. And listen, we were once in the bondage of slavery of sin, and God brought us out of that. And then this, this is what God says in that last, that last verse, of verse 3 of Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. There's our top priority. That's our top priority. The first place in every area of your life has to be God. In a refuge of grace, the first thing in every area is God. It's not what our wants are. It's not what our desires are. It's not our priorities of Hot Wheel cities or whatever. It's Him. And so whenever we look at taking steps together as a ministry, and whenever we look at the future ahead, the reminder for us is there's no other gods before him. None whatsoever. No facility, no human, no other priority matters. It's whatever he desires. And you know, that's what they were doing here in, at the end of Acts chapter 4 when they were selling their possessions and they were bringing those possessions to this refuge of grace where much, much grace was in that place. And because of that grace, they pushed, they, they, or they, they preached about God's grace. Their priority was, God, what do you want to do in this place? What is your purpose and what are the steps that you desire for us to pursue? Let's do those things and let's set our wants and our priorities aside. You see, God doesn't want us to place anything before him. That's what he's saying in Exodus to Moses. There are no other gods before me. You're not going to worship absolutely anything else because his desire in relationship with us is for us to worship him and him alone. And so our first priority has to be God. And you know what our last priority is? God. He's the first and he's the last. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. And that is true in priorities as well. Because whenever you say, God, okay, you can have first place. And then I'm going to do this, 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 and this. But what if God doesn't desire for this, 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 and this? You see, we have to be people who first sit with God and then take action. Instead of sit with God and take action and then forget about coming back to God, we just keep on going our own way until we get exhausted and then we come back to God again. But when God is the first priority, that means that self always takes the back seat. 
You know, in the scripture, when Jesus was on the earth, Luke, who wrote here in Acts chapter 4, actually told us about two sisters, Mary and Martha, who had a problem with their priorities when they were around Jesus. And in Luke chapter 10, Luke writes this. There was a woman named Martha who welcomed Jesus into her house. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet, and she heard his word as well. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all by myself? Therefore, Lord, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You know what another translation of that could be? You have a lot of priorities in your life. You see, Martha in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is experiencing here with Mary and Martha, Martha had a problem with her priorities. He said, you are worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed. These are Jesus' words. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In this instance, priorities were the issue. The time with God was more important than food preparation. And oftentimes in the hustle and bustle of this time of year, we get so wrapped up in preparation for the things that have to take place that we forget what our first priority is. You shall have no other God before me. God first and nothing, nothing else. It's God. It's all about God. So how is it that we can put God first? John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God. This is God first, John is saying, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. The reminder from John was despite all of God's commandments, it does not place something on us that, it, that we are not able to accomplish. They're not burdensome, but they remove that yoke, that burden from us, so that when we rearrange our priorities so that God is first, we'll begin to see life not necessarily take care of itself, but we'll begin to see the work of God in our lives. God first is the priority. And so we have to be honest with ourselves. Are we putting God's first? Are we putting God first? Are you putting God first in your life? You know, oftentimes we fret, we worry, we get so upset with God, and we ask over and over, God, why are things not working out the way that they are working out? Why is it that I'm just so weighted? To, why, why, why? We get so caught up in that. And I think sometimes what we should do is step back and begin to look at the areas of our life and see where our priorities have been turned upside down and God is not the first. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4, great grace or much grace was upon them. And the reason that much grace was upon them, it's because their priorities were correct. Grace. Grace. If you write things down, or if you take notes, 
or if you take a photo of the screen so that you can take a look at it later. I want to ask, would you write this down? Grace follows biblical priorities. It's simple. It's just four words that I put together that I hope helps you as we leave here in a few minutes today. Grace follows biblical priorities. A lot of times we get focused on the grace part and we forget about the priorities part of that. I believe that when we put our priorities first and our priorities are right with God first, that's when God answers prayer. That's grace, right? That's what I believe God wants us to do in our lives in relationship with him. Get our priorities right and then watch how he moves in our life. Because whenever we're being selfish and we are first, God's not going to bless that. God is going to forgive us when we cry out to him and we say, God, hey, I've messed it up and I put myself first over and over and over again. So would you please forgive me and help me keep you first? But grace always follows biblical, 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 that's God first, right? God first. And so whenever we have God first, that's when we will see God move. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, it says, so when they, and here is, here is uh, Peter, James, and John, giving us an example of setting priorities before they were walking in relationship with Jesus. Peter, James, and John here. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all. That means self did not matter any longer. They walked away from their earthly possessions, and they followed Jesus Christ. Here, Peter, James, and John are giving us the example of what our priorities have to be. They forsook everything, and they followed Jesus. But you know what? It's so hard sometimes to choose between the world, those hot wheel cities that we really, really want in our life, and the priorities of God with him first and no other gods before him. But you know what? It gets easier and easier and easier the more that you have him first. And he is the top priority, the only priority in your life. It gets easier and it gets easier because we experience grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace whenever he is first in our lives. It's just like when a baby is learning to walk. Absolutely, they stumble. They crawl. They start to get up. They fall down. They stand up, they'll take a step, and then they'll fall down. And then the next thing you know, it's two steps and three steps. And then they're walking lots of steps. And then the next thing you know, you can't stop them. That's what our relationship with Jesus is like sometimes. But whenever we fall down, we have to remember we have to get back up. We have to place him as the top priority in our life. We have to have no other gods before him. We have to set our priorities aside and ask him what his priorities for our life are. It's just like when a baby's learning to walk. And before you know it, you'll get years down the road and you'll look back and say, I can't believe that I used to crawl. I can't believe that I used to stumble. I can't believe that I used to wallow around on the floor because now I don't even think about it. I just get up and I walk and I walk and I walk walk over and over and over again. It's just a second nature to us. And that's what it's like, really, in relationship, a grace relationship with Jesus Christ. Whenever we put him first, it gets easier 
And then the next time, that decision is easier. Whenever there are no gods before, before, before God in our life, then it's easier the next decision and the next decision and the next event all the way down the road. This has to be the pattern that we have in our life over and over and over again. But you know what? I've chased some wrong priorities in my life. I've had times in my life where God was not at the top. There were other earthly possessions that mattered more to me than God actually did. And I would venture to guess that that's true for every single one of us. That there have been times that God wasn't first. There have been times where we didn't live just like these believers here at the end of Acts chapter 4. Where self came before God. There have been times where stuff mattered more than him. And you know, if you have lived that way, or if you are living that way in some areas of your life, the amazing thing about God's grace is that it's here time and time again. And he's willing to let us come to him so that we can be cleansed, ask forgiveness, and repent and turn a walk away so that he is the top priority and he is the God in all of our lives. You know, the way that I have discovered that I can always have God as the top priority, it's only through the help of Holy Spirit. It's not when I think, I'm just gonna work a little harder. I'm just gonna try a little harder at this. And if I just work and I work and I work and I put forward all of my efforts, then all of a sudden God's gonna be the top priority in my life. You know, it doesn't work that way. That's a recipe for failure. I've experienced that. And I think that if we would be honest, we've all experienced that. The only way that God can be the top priority, and there are no other gods before him in our life is when we crucify our selfishness through the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Every time that I've had the wrong priority in my life, it's when I operate in my own strength instead of Emmanuel, God with us, Holy Spirit operating in my life. You know what? I think that some of us, if we would be honest with ourselves, are beating ourselves up, asking God to answer prayers where he's not the top priority in our life. And we keep wondering why God's not answering the prayer. And we keep going back and we keep pleading. And those are good things, as Pastor Morgan uh, pushed us to do last week. We can go back and we can ask and we can ask and we can ask. However, our alignment has to come underneath his authority. Our request has to come underneath his authority. And he has to be first. He has to be the top priority. No other gods before him. And in those times in our life that we keep beating ourselves up and wondering where God's at, I think he's just saying, hey, would you just put me first in your life? Could I please be the top priority in your life? And stop chasing all of this other stuff that you're begging me for and start chasing me and then watch my grace work in your life. You know, he has to be the top priority in our life. He demands to be the top priority in our life. 
You know why? Because when he stepped out of heaven to this earth and was born in a manger, his eyes were focused on one thing, and that was Calvary's cross. You were his top priority. You were on his mind. So this morning, would you put him as the top priority in your life? So maybe the Holy Spirit's pulled on your heartstring this morning and revealed that your priorities are out of place. Maybe there are some other gods in your life that are ahead of him. Maybe are there some priorities that you're chasing that you never stop to consult the Lord about. This morning, in this refuge of grace, united with people of one heart and one soul, we can ask for God's forgiveness. We can repent and receive his grace so that as we leave here, we're living like the people of Acts chapter 4, where he is the priority. He is what we're chasing. And he is the Lord of our lives. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.